Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 86, Save Me from the Monsters. This week we're discussing series 6, episode 9 of Doctor Who, Night Terrors, and season 1, episode 14 of Angel, I've Got You Under My Skin. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before listening to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Okay, so Night Terrors. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I was saying, like, it, it's a decent episode. I didn't think it mm-hmm. was, like, the best ever, but it certainly wasn't sure. uh, one of the worst. I thought it was a solid middle yeah. middle of the road mm-hmm. uh, episode. Um, yeah, I think I'd, I'd kind of agree with you there. Uh, did you have any production notes? I know you said this one, uh, I think you told me before I watched it that it was the one that was switched with, um, the one with, uh, Lord Crowley there. Uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yes. Um, this is, yeah, this was originally in the first half of the season. So Lord Grantham, not Crowley. I'm sorry. You know who I'm talking (laughs) about. No, that's, uh. Lady Crowley or whatever. I don't remember. Um, well, it's the Crowley family, but we're way off. We're not even family. on the race show anymore, so we're way off. <laughs> totally confused. Um, yes, this was switched with Curse of the Black Spot. So, you know, you can kind of, both of them are pretty standalone. It doesn't really make a huge difference, mm-hmm. you know, one way or the other to switch them. Um, and actually, they both even deal with, like, fathers and sons and everything yeah. so even like them even thematically you can swap them pretty easily yeah um so uh and you know i guess we should mention mark gatiss who up until now has always written like historical episodes it was always you know the idiot's lantern and um uh victory of the daleks was the other one and the unquiet dead um so this is his first you know foray into a, a modern day set episode so a um, little bit of a break of tradition for him sure sure um but that's it for production so where would we like to start with the episode <laughs> yeah no i i was gonna say i wanted to start with um the doctor and uh, sort of the whole receiving of a call for help, which, I mean, it's not the first time we've seen it, but um, they even sort of mention, mm. like, in, in in the story itself, that it's mm. unusual for him to kind of uh, go off. And he, and he even says, you know, like, I'm going to do something I haven't done in a long time. I'm going to make a house call, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't actually terribly that long ago in a way. Uh, well, and we've seen we've seen messages before, right? Um, although this, he doesn't get this. I, now I can't remember. Does he get this on the, his psychic paper or not? Yeah, he does. He, does. he did. Okay, yeah. I I, yeah. I thought so, but then I was thinking of other times when he sort of gets messages on his psychic paper. I'm like, wait a minute. Now am I just confusing? Um, like uh, with the prisoner zero, right? There's like a message that gets sent to his. Um, yeah. There and then um, River Song at one point, you know, calls him through uh, through his psychic paper. So, um, you know, lots yeah. of lots of examples of that per se. But those are like 
even those are like different in a way you know yeah. what i mean like like this is very much and we find out later that you know it was like you know the cry was so like primal yeah. and you know fearful and whatever that it was able to summon him kind of and maybe not him specifically it was just a call for anyone yeah uh, i guess perhaps like yeah it's sort of a little bit of foreshadowing that george is maybe more than just your mm -hmm. ordinary little boy you know like it's not until later that you realize oh it's kind of because i imagine it's because he's an alien that like his you know fear can be kind of projected that far you know yeah, like, it's like every a... every every little kid who gets scared can't necessarily you know beam their thoughts directly to the psychic paper or but... or maybe because of his you know xeno biological makeup you know like right. he has these like psychic powers like maybe yeah um you know maybe like given enough pain and trauma a human could but it would it would like take more than it would for a particular right. alien because they don't have the same level of psychic capability kind of thing yeah that's kind of how i that's kind of how i read it in retrospect is like oh it's because of his alienness that he has this ability um but yeah like the doctor kind of implies that this if if it wasn't ever like business as usual at least this is the kind of thing that might have happened in the past like mm -hmm. oh i haven't done this in a while like you know right and actually a lot of people have noticed similarities between this episode and fear her um yeah i was actually and, thinking about that one as well like yeah the kind of child augmented by alien power and mm -hmm. like has the ability to do stuff and maybe it's a little bit out of their control and everything um and that also has a kind of similar like you know the doctor and the companion like going to the kid's house mm -hmm. to you know like making a house call and i think i don't know whether i said this at the time but like it, you know people have said like that it seems very um classic of the show like okay. not that every episode in the classic series was like that but that was the kind of thing that maybe would have happened more in the classic series is like you know uh a regular street or a regular apartment building being menaced by something and the doctor like going there to kind of mm. figure it out. So that kind of house call was more run of the mill, I guess, in the classic series. Gotcha. So maybe that's kind of what he's referencing is like, oh, I haven't done this in a while. Like we kind of used to do these episodes all the time and we just don't anymore. So. Right. Right. And there were more, maybe not story of the week quite, but like, yeah. like that was more of the, like it because I know they're like in the classic who there were serials that were, you know, maybe several episodes long, but they were like, yeah. they were shorter, yeah. you know, episodes. And so like, and they were more standalone within that grouping. It wasn't like mm -hmm. as much of a long story arc, you know, over a season. Right. Or like the, they, the, the individual episodes might be different from each other, you know, rather than just all be like one piece. Yeah. Like you said. Yeah. Or there might be several episodes that tie together, but, like, it wouldn't be, like, a season-long arc kind of thing in right, that way. exactly. Like, we get a little bit more of today. Um, but then we say that, and this is a very standalone episode itself, so, like... This is true. <laughs> um, but, no, that all makes sense. Um, and, and of course, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, you have to love the little references to, like, you know, real doctors and stuff that 
come yeah. from time to time. They're not. I like that they're not like ubiquitous. It's not like every episode you get these like obvious, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, medical doctor sort of references, but I do like the, you know, on occasion just the sort of the yeah. the awareness of, you know, what his name is and what he's called, especially sort of in contrast to like, you know, just a couple episodes where we're like, you know, oh, the word doctor has been sort of. Uh, shifted and changed to mean you know warrior in some cultures and that kind of thing but like this is a callback to no he actually is a guy who's like helping or healing in some way like it's you know and it i think taking it on a broader scale like that you do get you do get that reminder of it's not just one or the other like these are these are sort of Mm -hmm. all-encompassing of the doctor's character like he is the warrior but he you know Sometimes the not even he doesn't even realize that he's the warrior, perhaps, or doesn't yeah. consider himself to be even, you know, while he's going up, why would anyone think that about me? You know, like that kind of right. thing. But like that there is this sort of overall, no matter kind of what uh, persona maybe he's taken on mm-hmm. at the time, like he's he's always got kind of a, this idea that he is there to help. You know, yeah. whether it's always helpful is a different thing, but he's sure the intent behind it. At the least, intent is, is good. Yeah. Is to help and heal and make things better for people. Um, yeah. And as I, part I of his like, adventuring, like, you know. Sure. And I, I like like I like the little um, reminder of that when, you know, because they're talking about and even as I think of it, doctors themselves, even if their intent is good you know, can be kind of ambiguous and scary, and especially for kids, you know, it can be a scary thing to go to the doctor, and, uh, you know, and you, George is overhearing discussions about doctors, you know, and he needs doctors, and he might be sent away to doctors, and that becomes as much a part of his fear as anything else, and so, you know, when you get the doctor turning up and saying, I'm the doctor and you know that moment of a doctor are you here to take me away you know like that's what you know the dreaded doctor might swoop in and take that's kind of what the doctor does right is he swoops in and takes you away from your ordinary life yeah and and it right you know and that being for George something scary rather than something exciting you know at least at first yeah and and interesting too that when they when he says you know I'm the doctor here like it's so you're thinking of it in that instance of, you know, a psycho- psychological doctor, not right. not as a or or, right. you know, some kind of like, you know, uh, uh, child protective services kind right. of yeah. role. Like right. it's it's not a right. Like like lo- take you away and lock you up like for yeah. you know, a mental institution or something, exactly. you know, like that kind of scary doctor. Um, um, right. So it's not it's which is interesting, again, sort of contrasting with the doctor's personality of the i'm here to help heal you not hide you away in some institution kind of thing right Um, right and he will take you away but he'll take you away to someplace more liberating right he doesn't take you away to lock you up yeah yeah um so in sort of talking about this and, and talking about particularly the the doctor and sort of the relationship to george there and coming for help I did have um, some callbacks to to young Amelia because mm-hmm. I think 
you know, very much the, like in the beginning there where he's sort of chanting or praying or whatever, you know, for like the, the monsters not to get him, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, there, there is sort of a callback to Amelia praying for, praying to Santa, yeah. you know, Thanks, for yeah. things to get better. Um, and the doctor <laughs> arrives. And, yeah. and I was thinking about this because I mean, obviously situationally, you know, going way back to the beginning of season five um, and however many years that is in, in the world that they're in, uh, yeah. you know, there's, you know, one difference is that the doctor wasn't like, he didn't arrive at Amelia's house you know, sort of intentionally <laughs> in the way that right. he does yeah. here with George. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like he hears a call or sees a call on the psychic paper or anything like that, you know, detects in some way that she needs help. But he does end up there. And, of course, we've talked about the TARDIS and how sort of yeah. she brings the Doctor to, uh, you know, the places where he kind of needs to be. And you, right. you have to wonder... Um, given that the TARDIS also has sort of psychic powers and stuff. Like if there, uh, you know, wasn't some of the same sort of thing going on there. You, you know, right. this after just having had that discussion about maybe, you know, humans aren't as powerful. But then actually maybe there was, and he was already sort of flying right. around Earth. So he was, he was in the vicinity anyway. Sure. Uh, you know, that maybe at least yeah, the, TARDIS the TARDIS might have picked up picked on, up on yeah. it. Um, and despite being in you know, flames and regenerating itself, like was able to find, you know, Amelia and bring yeah. the doctor there kind of as the necessary next step kind of thing. So I think there, and then, and then we talked about the prisoner zero, you know, message and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. So, um, might not be far off, you know, even, yeah. even as far as that goes, there seems to be some parallel to that. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, yeah, a couple things that the, and there's kind of a similarity with Amy or Amelia and George as um kind of troubled little kids, you know, that they're not sure. you know, that they kind of their parents don't necessarily uh you know, understand them really and they're kind of seen as these problem kids, you know, whether it's Amy with her psychiatrists and her her imaginary raggedy doctor and everything. Um, yeah. And then George with his kind of OCD-ish <laughs> habits and and right. fear of everything. Um, you know, so you kind of have, you know, and kids who are kind of tapped into something, you know, other and are maybe a little, you know, Amy kind of responds to that with her kind of trademark stoic <laughs> matter of factness whereas George kind of, George kind of seems you know overwhelmed by everything so they like respond differently but yeah clearly they're not operating on quite the same um, level you know and and the parents kind of struggling to you know realize how do we deal with that whether it's send Amy to a psychiatrist yeah. or or maybe George needs to go away somewhere you know and well, having to kind of figure that out. And and there's also an orphan aspect to these, um, along yeah. with Fear Her, too, mm -hmm. which you brought up. Um, or at least, well, I mean, Chloe still has her mother, but, you know, it's the father, you know, yeah. who died or whatever. And then, um, 
but also infer her with the alien itself being, yeah. you know, a spore and basically an yeah. infant of, you know, this other yeah. alien cut off being from its family, you know, cut off yeah. from its family. So like, so there's and George is the same way, right? Yeah. And that's what I was gonna say is like he and Amy too, and Amy too, because <laughs> Amy's parents have been swallowed by the crack in the universe. Yeah. So. so like, there's all you know, there's this sort of orphan aspect to all of these yeah. um, situations, which you know goes kind of goes back to the whole idea of I think Doctor Who and fairy tale um, because yeah. there is a lot of either orphan or stepchild or you know like yeah. something where the family structure I almost said isn't quite right but I don't mean to say it that way because you know I mean I think any right. sort of family con- structure can be right in, in yeah. certain circumstances but it you know that it's not working out maybe to the optimum capacity <laughs> <laughs> uh, if yeah. that's if that's an awkward enough way to say what I'm trying to get across, yeah. you know that there's that there's a certain way of you know just being part of a family, regardless of what the makeup of that family is. That that yeah. seems to be broken in these sorts of circumstances, and I think that that fits a lot. You know, you think of stories like Hansel and Gretel, where mm-hmm. you know apparently the father's so henpecked that his wife who is not the children's mother convinces him to leave them out in the woods on their own. Like that's not right. That doesn't seem right for a family to be able to do that. Or, you know, however many other stories there might be where, you know, it's, it's like children being at the mercy of their parent or most, more usually a step parent, uh, who is, you know, uh, not treating them so well kind of thing. The monstrous step parent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I remember J.K. Rowling talking about that with Harry, like, both yeah. as for why she orphaned him and then why sent him away to boarding school, that that's kind of what you need if the kid is going to, like, come into their own, that if you mm-hmm. have parents there protecting you, you know, then you're not going to get into the same kinds of, you know, crazy adventures, that, sure. the, that the orphanage is almost like a necessity for the adventure, like, you know. To have a kid, and even George, who isn't really an orphan, like he has, I guess, foster parents. Like he's sort of adopted these parents, you know, and right. is trying to assimilate into their life. So he's not on his own, but he is kind of because he knows they don't really fully accept or understand him. Yeah, you know, so he has the intellect, or you know psychologically he's orphaned even if he's not mm-hmm. like literally totally by himself right right but yeah but yeah so you get the doctor you know i guess empowering all of these lonely kids um right and especially i mean as a kind of children's show i think the doctor who always has kind of a relationship with kids you know mm-hmm. but i think moffat um I think in particular writes that the 11th doctor that way that like more so than even the other doctors, we see the 11th doctor having a strong connection. Mm. Like the first person he meets is a child, you know? Sure. Um, and so you continually with the Matt Smith doctor, have him, you know, have these really strong bonds with, and he as an actor is really good with kids, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, like anecdotally they just say like he's the best kind of like he really 
likes to work with them and is good with them. Yeah. So I think they keep writing and 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 as such a kind of young and funny and silly and goofy doctor, he kind of works in that setting. Yeah. So yeah. you keep getting his doc, and he and we've talked about how he's sort of childlike anyway. <laughs> um, right. So it works well. Um, yeah. He has the you know, Pratt Falls and the. Yeah, um, and and I think Amy's a big part of that. The fact that his connection with Amelia there in his first episode kind of sets the tone for that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is a really, a doctor who's really good with kids, you know? Yeah. Um, and so he always keeps coming back to that, I think. Yeah. Well, and I mean, just think of how many references we have to Fish Fingers and Custard, you know, since yeah, right. that first episode, you know, just that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I definitely, definitely agree with that. Mm. Um, so, you know, as far as the doctor goes, like I mean, we get to see him sort of doing his thing. Actually, I, I like the whole like when uh, the father Alex right is trying to mm. like get him to leave, and he's like, "No, I'm not gonna yeah. leave." Like, yeah. no, no, <laughs> you want some tea? I'm gonna yeah, make some I'm just tea. Gonna make tea. Yeah. yeah. He's like, no, I'm not gonna leave. He's like, what? You have to leave. Like, no, I'm I'm gonna stay. Um, You're not from social services, are you? <laughs> uh, and so yeah, I mean, so we get you know sort of the doctor doing his thing and all that. Like, I don't think I don't know that there's anything. Like on the one hand, well, you were talking about like the being good with kids. I I really actually like that whole scene where he's like manipulating the toys with his sonic screwdriver yeah. and stuff like yeah. you know he does and it's funny because like you know he comes in you know and and we we're talking about how sort of the you know he he says he's the doctor and like they sort of take him for more of a psychologist and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and that seems like a very psychologist thing to do like yeah watch the kid play with the toy and you know ask him questions well you know that's yeah. going on and and sort well, of getting and, to figure out what is actually bothering him by the way that he interacts with these toys and things um and and also that that's going on it's almost like a distraction while in the next room mm-hmm. you know the landlord is harassing the dad yeah, he's you know down and you kind of get <laughs> And you kind of get George, like, in the same way that George is watching, like, you know, silly things that to be afraid of, you know, like a shadow or whatever, like watching everything with fear. You also get him watching, you know, through the door, this Mm. scary guy with his scary dog, like, you know, scaring his dad. So, you know, that's something which is not at all silly to be afraid of you know like that's yeah. something really legitimate and you know bad enough for Alex but terrifying for George so you kind of have the doctor like you know it's at that moment that the doctor brings out the screwdriver you know hey kid let's let's look at this for a while like yeah. it's kind of a that seems very psychologist to me too yeah. it's, you know kind of connecting on his level, distracting him from things which are kind of above his pay grade. Like, George really shouldn't be worrying about the rent, you know, or, like, the landlord or whatever. Um, Right. You know, so, you know, the fact that, like, you have one thing going on in the next room, and then you have the doctor connecting him with him, you know, that makes that scene really kind of 
something very real about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And of course that's before you sort of realize that he's an alien and stuff. Right. So it's right. It, like there's, it, you know, just in the episode you're thinking like, Oh, maybe, maybe this is a source of some of that fear. Like, you know, yeah. the mon like, I mean, it's Doctor Who, so we do expect there to be some kind of monster, actual sure. monster. But it's like, yeah. oh, maybe the landlord's an alien or a monster yeah. of some type or, you know, like, like it is kind of a good thing because it you can definitely, you know, you definitely might might think about, you know, the way that he's acting and think like, you know, this is how children think. They think there's a monster in my closet, but what does the monster look like? It looks like the scary man who lives down the street. Right. You know, it's, sure. it's like yeah, yeah. not necessarily, um, you know, something that, that like adults think of. It's weird. Cause like, as we grow up, I, you know, our ideas of what monsters are sort of shift. And it's mm. almost in a way that like, I think, monsters become less and less real right they become more and more ridiculous maybe is a better way to mm -hmm. say that like more cartoonish and stuff and like not not just because we maybe don't believe them in them in the same way uh as we do when they're children but also because i think they actually do go more and more away from reality like you know yeah. the big hulking man you know does actually look like an ogre to a young child, you know? Yeah. But, like, when we grow up and we think of an ogre, we think of, you know, a scary thing with green skin that doesn't right. really scare us because we know that they're not real. But to a child, that ogre is real because the big hulking yeah. man is real. And yeah. and that's the, the kind of thing that, you know, I think scares it's, them even more. It's exactly what... Ex only with fear instead of joy or wonder. It's exactly what um, I think it's G.K. Chesterton talked about, like with kids that um, like kids are as impressed by, you know, it, that it, I think what he's talking about is that grownups need fairy tales more because we need more to be sort of impressed in that way that like yeah. a kid can hear to a kid a story that says, you know, a door opened is exciting, you know, mm -hmm. that anything could be on the other side. But it's as, as the kid gets a little older that you need to have the door open and there was a dragon, you know, like there needs to be something beside, like, whereas like to the infant, you know, or to the toddler, the door opening is kind right. of enough, you know, to like, you know, so yeah, like for George, everything is, you know, rather than wonder is a source of fear. So, yeah. you know, the, the wheezing old lady and the groaning of the elevator and, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the sort of thuggish landlord and everything. Yeah. Um, and as you were just talking about that, like the, you know, the perception of opening a door versus having something scary behind it. Like, it reminds me of that, you know, that w with really young children where like they don't have a sense of continuity. So if you like, you know, roll a ball and then it goes behind a box like they don't expect it to come out the other side so when it does like right it like surprises them kind of thing right, you know right. like they're like oh my gosh where did that come from whereas yeah. and that's like you know even just a few months after that like they do develop right. that sense like they you right. know even in just that short of time period they kind of 
lose that sense of surprise and innocence, you know, that is still there at a young age. Um, Obviously not completely because, you know, it takes a long time to grow out of that completely. Hopefully we never do, but um, you know, there is, there is sort of that idea behind it of like the older you get, the less there is to surprise you, the less there is to sort of scare you as well. Cause that's mm-hmm. being scared. That's, that's what it is as a way. It's just a type of surprise, you know, it's mm-hmm. um, very, very thin line between sort of the good surprise and the scary surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, just yeah. even, and actually just even thinking about like, uh, so, you know, I had an incident at my apartment just tonight uh, mm-hmm. with uh, there being something unexpected where my door was locked in a way that, like, I don't usually leave it and, you know, that kind of thing. And so, like, yeah, that's one of the few times where, like, like it was confusing and I wasn't expecting it and I was yeah. worried and not quite understanding why this was happening. And, of course there was a very logical explanation and sort of in the back of my mind, I sort of figured there was probably a very logical explanation, but that logical explanation could be, you know, I was robbed or it could be, you know, Oh, my landlord just came by and, you know, didn't, you know, forgot that I didn't have this particular key to that, you know, door or something. And so like, you know, which is what it ended up being, but you know, there's, there's like this idea that like, you do go through life sort of having, having these experiences. And with each one, it's almost like, you know, developing a drug tolerance in a way, right? Like the more drugs you take, the more you can take without feeling the effects. And it's like, you know, the, the more surprised you get, the more it takes to surprise you. So like after a while, it, you're just not really surprised at, anything much anymore yeah you're kind of numb to it which is whole we've pretty much developed gone through tolkien's thesis of why fairy tales are important yeah know, well, that <laughs> recovery and escape from from i know what, we've kind of know. very we've got a very philosophical and like uh metaphorical yeah. you know direction <laughs> with this episode i feel like but i think it's it's all there i think it, it invites that yeah. you know yeah i think it's kind of open to i think because and why I think that is because you're dealing with a kid encountering mm-hmm. the doctor, which is basically, you know, even though I don't think this is a children's show in the sense that, like, it's only for kids or that, it, you know, like, obviously I get plenty out of it. So I'm not saying that as like a, as a, you know, exclusive thing or a criticism or anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is a show which is, you know, intended to be watched and enjoyed by kids. Yeah. So... Any episode you have where you have a kid, you know, encountering, you know, the doctor, you know, it's going to open itself up to that kind of like metaphor, I think. And especially because it's so much about, um, you know, the, the scariness and the fear, you know, and that's what a lot of Doctor Who tries to do is send kids, you know, behind the couch and, Mm -hmm. you know scare them a little bit you know and maybe for the grown-ups bring you back to that place where you can be that scared kid Mm -hmm. you know um you know and it's doing that i think it it tries to do that by blending the fear and the wonder you know so and that's what the doctor and his companions are all about like you know traveling and 
sometimes being really scared and sometimes having the best time of their lives, but it's kind of the both of them that keep them traveling, you know? And so, yeah. The other, well, I don't know if this is skipping ahead to George a little bit. The other thing I think, I that feel like we've been talking to, like we've been talking yeah. about the doctor and George all along, so we can. So <laughs> the other thing I always think with this episode that lends itself to a metaphorical reading is the fact that uh, you have this little kid with a with a parent, but particularly a dad who doesn't really understand him and is kind of struggling to accept him Mm -hmm. and you got this big closet that they talk about a lot so you know if we're talking about metaphorical readings there's also that you know that this this could be read as kind of a coming out parable i guess Mm. um you know uh i'd be surprised i don't i'm not saying it was intentional like that that's the only way to read it i think there's plenty of other readings you know that you can draw out of this but i'd be surprised if that you know hadn't occurred to the writers as they were doing it, but, um, you know, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot more to do with that other than to say that, you know, that's another thing which can be fearful for a family to, you know, have to, for a little kid to have to kind of confront or for a dad to feel, you know, or for parents to feel maybe that you were, child is not what you expected them to be and to learn to love them anyway you know and and to love them for yeah. who they are or even everything. so yeah even not learn but like discover that you do love them right anyway. that like, you do yeah. yeah yeah um and yeah and no i think i think it's that i think what you said is right about like the expectation right it's not you do develop and i mean i have two kids like i mean you do sort of have ideas about who they are even kind of before they show you who they are and so like when those ideas don't always mesh it does become a matter of um not yeah i think unfortunately maybe in some cases people do have to learn them but i think sort of ideally it's it's more of a discovery of oh yeah you're not this way but you're this way and that's cool too you know like and Mm -hmm. that's perfectly fine it's just different from what i expected but that doesn't make it bad or you know unwanted or anything like so um and that's actually and that actually can be fun is you know finding out what those things are and and, you know learning about your own children and and just people in general that way but i think yeah here we're talking about kids and stuff um and yeah and 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 then you're right that that's something like that isn't necessarily just specific to you know, finding out that you're, you know, it doesn't have to be a story just about a parent who finds out their child is gay necessarily, because I think every, every parent probably has to come to some terms with who they expected their kids are versus like, I remember like just something as stupid as like, you know, you know, my mom never played an instrument growing up. And so she had this notion that, you know, I should do that because she didn't, you know, and I tried and I hated it. Didn't want to do it at all. And there was a time of conflict between what I wanted, you know, the kind of person I wanted to be versus who my mom expected that I would be, you know, and had to sort of confront that, you know, um, 
you know, and I think probably every parent and child has to go through that in some way or other. So it's a pretty flexible metaphor, I think. It doesn't necessarily restrict itself, but... Yeah, and and honestly, I didn't even think of it in sort of a coming out way of, of, you know, like a child admitting they were gay or anything. But I do think definitely with sort of the, the metaphor of the child being an alien, you know, mm-hmm. in a place where he doesn't sort of technically belong, but, you know, yeah. has come to sort of insert himself, like it can certainly be read in, in a number of different ways there. Um, and, and I think many children, I certainly, I certainly pondered the question myself of, are these really my parents? You know, like, am, am I (laughs) even part of this family really? You know, what if I was adopted? Yeah. Yeah, Maybe I was adopted or maybe, you know, yeah, maybe I'm an alien or maybe they're aliens or, you know, like, I feel like at some point in in a child's life, like those sorts of questions come up no matter who you are, you know, who your parents are or or whatever. Right. 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 Like, do I secretly have other siblings that I don't know about or all those kinds of things? And actually it's a nice, um, because I grew up an only child. So I always wondered that, (laughs) like, what if I had a sister? Like, what would that, what would that be like? You know, like, I don't know. Maybe that was just me, but, um, no, no, I did too. And I mean, I was, you know, I'm seven years older than my next brother. So, right. you know, I mean. Right. I, so you were an only child. Yeah, for a I was long an time. only child yeah. for a while too. So, like, I mean, those are, I think, normal. But even like, <laughs> even later, as like a teenager, it was like, maybe I do have another sibling out there who's better than these siblings that I have now. <laughs> like, yeah. like I, I feel yeah. like that's just sort of a Maybe normal... I have a cooler sibling yeah, like maybe, somewhere. Yeah. yeah, or what if I had a twin and we were separated at birth and, you know, right. what if I find them someday kind of thing. I think those are sort of normal questions yeah. for any person as a child to sort of think about. Well, and it's a nice subversion of, like, you know, if George is kind of the adopted kid, you know, it's always like the parents have to sit down at some point and have that conversation, Mm. you know, at whatever age, you know, and tell them, okay, you know, this is the truth. But I like the kind of flip of that with like George, George is adopted and the parents don't know. And it's sort of like one day the parents have to find out, Oh, (laughs) we have this like adopted child that we didn't realize was adopted. Like, I like the kind of twist of that, that, you know, yeah. Um, a nice use of the, like, it, whenever people forget something, it's always a perception filter, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I like the kind of use of that, that like they're, uh, you know, certainly one night over, you know, one day overnight, like there's not even really a pregnancy. It's just, he's there and everyone's forgotten that he was never there to begin with. Um, right. Although yeah. there's like clues and hints in the, Right. You know, the Alex sort of thinks something is up, but he doesn't Something's quite wrong. Yeah, know yeah. what it is. And um yeah. and and interesting that then that impetus is to have him taken away. Like he's expecting to have George taken away because it doesn't feel right that he's there. Right. Um so yeah. Yeah. Um I feel like we've kind of gone all over the place with this one, but um, we kind of have. It, it, um, it's good. I I want to make sure. Okay. Um, 
so you know again sort of going back to the doctor just kind of finish out his stuff um like even he like it's funny because like you know you get the you get the sense like he's just soothing you know george and trying to figure out why he's scared or whatever um so and and like i said i didn't really pick up on sort of undertones of you know coming out of the closet but you know there is sort of the classic the mon- there's a monster in my closet you know oh, there's sure. not really yeah. a monster in your closet like um yeah. you know and that kind of thing but uh the doctor is then legitimately scared of what's in yeah, the cover. Yeah. So like, like I, I like that sort of twist of why, well, and maybe it's not that much of a twist, but cause we know that there's a monster or something going on. Um, right. You know, in, in there. And, and so, you know, when the doctor sort of realizes that it's, that it's real, right. Oh, off, off the charts or off the scale or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, you know, like he, he finds out, you know, that there is something legitimate to be scared of, you know, here. Yeah. So it does, you know, it's like now it's not just like, Oh, he's a psychologist and he's going to help George overcome his fear. It's like, he's now afraid also of the same thing that George is afraid of. So yeah. like, what's, you know, Alex to do is like, you know, that's when he starts questioning, like, are you even really like a doctor? Yeah. Like what's going on here? But um yeah, I like the way the doctor has to like, psych himself up to open it like yeah like at what we can't open it come on alex no no and then he kind of like talks himself around into okay we have to open a closet yeah. like it's the only way to face it you know um but i like that too because it it sort of legitimizes that fear right like if we're if we're going back to sort of the metaphorical discussion of you know fears yeah. and 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 that kind of thing like so often and i think and i sure I've probably done this with my kids you know maybe to my own dismay or chagrin or whatever but like I mean I think so often it's easy to just sort of dismiss because you know because of all the stuff we were talking about earlier of how how much uh harder it is for adults to sort of become surprised or scared by things Mm -hmm. like it's then easy to sort of dismiss the fears of children and Oh, you know, that's not anything really to worry about. Come on, go back to bed. You know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, man, I totally sounded like a parent just then, didn't I? Like I could actually <laughs> imagine myself talking to my daughter that way. <laughs> Your tone of voice changed. I'm sure I've done that. No, just go back to bed. Yeah. Um, and so it's easy to dismiss those fears. But when like the doctor is there right. saying, oh, don't open the cupboard. There's something <laughs> yeah. scary in there. Like, you know, yeah. it, it does, you know, it. You know, going back to sort of if this is children, you know, watching this, it's like, hey, there actually is a reason to be scared. You know, there is like I'm and not even even if there really isn't a reason to be scared. And we and we do find out like there's, you know, we find out in the story of, you know, what's going on and that George can sort of fix things and, you know, whatever. But like um that even if there's nothing in the closet, that doesn't make the fear illegitimate. You know what I mean? Right. Like that, that there's like there, how to say it? Like, even though, like, I, I don't want to get all like, you know, 
artsy fartsy flowery you know like uh uh i don't even know what the right terminology is but like you know there is a material world like i don't want to get like to the you know where everything's in your mind but there is a sense that if you imagine it and if you think it it is real you Mm. know and if you truly believe it that is there. Like if you truly believe there's a monster in your closet, it actually doesn't matter whether there really is a monster in your closet because it affects right. you in such a yeah. way. And there its is, effect is real. Yeah. And I'm sorry, what was that? I, it, I said its effect is real. Yeah. Yeah. It's the fact is real and it's right. And it, it, it plays with your imagination and it has, I mean, you know, there just that anxiety of, mm-hmm. you know, can have, you know, actual physical impacts on people, Um, you know, children or otherwise, like, you know, fears, adults can have fears. They just tend to be different types of fears. They're not fears of monsters per se, but, you know, fears of being able to feed your family or pay the rent and other bills, you know, or, or fears that you're going to fail at your job or, you know, yeah, I don't know any other number of types of fears that people commonly have. So, um, and they don't, you know, they, there are real medical and psychological effects that those things have that, that transpire to real world actions, regardless of whether those fears are accurate or not, you know, like, again, it goes back to that idea of it doesn't necessarily have to be a monster in your closet. If you believe there's a monster in your closet, then it's bad enough to begin yeah. with. So I, I think I, you know, going back to sort of the original point with the doctor, like the fact that he becomes scared and sort yeah. of, you know, confirms that there's something to be scared of. Um, yeah. you know, I think to a child watching that, like that's kind of reassuring in a way that, Oh, there's an adult who believes me, you know, and, and maybe yeah. going back to the idea that, you know, Matt Smith as the doctor, you know, does work well with children in that mm-hmm. way of, of, being able to approach them on their own level. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, it worked, it walks that line well, because in the one sense, the only monster, what's in the closet is what George puts there. That's what, that's where right. he puts the things that mm-hmm. he's afraid of. So oh, yeah. in a sense, he's kind of making his own monsters because whatever is scary, he's putting it there and giving it power. But on the other hand, like you said, the doc, it registers on the doctor's screwdriver. So once it's been, kind of elevated to monster status Mm -hmm. it has a real he can recognize it and recognize it like george's monsters are real and they're in that closet you know so it that that's nice because they're both real and not you know um like they might not be you know monsters that are coming to come and eat you but they are really things to be afraid of and you know things that have a real effect yeah um, you know, but then also bringing it back around, George, like, then the only way to confront them is that George has to confront them, you know, that mm-hmm. he has to face them and, you know, yeah, go in the closet, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, uh, so yeah, it kind of works that, that, that nice m- metaphor slash real line, like it kind of works on both levels. Um, which is kind of how kids fears work anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, and actually, so, you know, the, 
the whole idea of you know putting things in the closet that you don't like or that scare you um actually reminded me of an episode of the twilight zone i was i was telling you um before we started recording uh there's an episode called it's a good life and it's one of the few like i haven't i don't recall seeing very many episodes of the twilight zone but like this is one where it's like one of those where like whenever you happen to catch it you know the show on tv like on uh, yeah tbm or tmc classic movies or whatever like uh you know the 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 it's like the one episode that's always on kind of thing. And right, and apparently so because it's fairly popular and well-known or whatever, but um, okay. it's called, uh, the episode's called It's a Good Life. Um, and, and it's a Twilight Zone episode. I can't remember if I even said Twilight Zone. But, um, and uh, it's about a kid who like has these like psychic mental powers. He can like mind read and stuff, but he can also like, um, anything he doesn't like or that displeases him in some way, he, he wishes it away to uh, the cornfield. And like, you never actually find out what the cornfield is. Is it like death or is it, you know, or is it a literal cornfield where he's just wishing it away? But like, all people seem to know is that things that go to the cornfield never come back, (laughs) you know? So like nobody really wants to find out. And, and because he's sort of, psychic he can read people's minds and know what they're thinking like they all have to always be you know cheerful and thinking happy thoughts and you know saying happy things to him and um you know and and that kind of thing so uh that you know in in any of those things can sort of set him off and send people to cornfield and he does like other things like one guy he turns into like a jack-in-the-box with like the head separated from his body kind of thing and that kind of stuff so it's like yeah you know like these horrific you know things that he can do you know to people just by but um obviously a slightly different here because that's more like he's displeased with you so he sends you away whereas this is more the fear but just the idea of that sending it to a place where you can't see it and it doesn't affect you anymore or presumably doesn't affect you anymore um so there was sort of a a kernel of a similar idea there um yeah yeah definitely but anyway i i i I remembered thinking about that as i was watching this episode that it it sort of has some some similar feels to that definitely Um, but anyway so um I guess maybe we should just round off George here now that we only have like less than 10 minutes yeah. <laughs> left. Um, so we do find out, right, that he's adopted or that he has adopted these parents. Uh, yeah. His, you know, because he's like this alien who uh, has these psychic powers and, yeah, has the perception filter and all of mm-hmm. that can, can sort of dupe them into being his parents or whatever um or maybe dupe is more nefarious yeah because i kind of get the impression that george almost kind of has forgotten maybe that he's not one of them yeah he 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 sort of has a sense that he's different and that there is something to be afraid of but doesn't necessarily know why um that's the impression i've got anyway is he's sort of innocent about the whole thing he's sort of picks a family and then just adapts to what they want him to be um, and doesn't necessarily consciously realize he's doing that. Um, Yeah. 
Um, and it, yeah, like you almost get the sense that that's sort of like an evolutionary tactic, right? Like that right. it's, it's their way of sort of, yeah, surviving in, in the universe. And, um, Tenza, is that the name of the species, I think, or something like yeah. that. And mm-hmm. where he, uh, um, it's interesting too, that it's like that he chooses them, but it's like, because they can't have children of their own. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's like he needs, you know, to have parents in a way, but like also that they, you know, they want to have a child. And so it's like, it's not like, you know, it's not sort of parasitic in the way that you might think it's more symbiotic. He finds, yeah, he finds someone who needs him as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, he apparently comes with baggage. <laughs> um, a little bit. <laughs> and, and yeah. And I think that's just, you know, that goes back to, you know, again, talk, like referring back to fear her. It's like, you know, he's still young, even though yeah. he's an alien and doesn't still really understand what's going on or, or what's happening. So, you know, not, there's a lot of like, well, fear and mm-hmm. confusion and that sort of thing uh, that prevent him from. Well, I don't. That that sort of gets in the mix, I guess. I don't. I don't know quite what I'm trying to say there, but anyway. Um. Yeah. So. And. Yes. All of the stuff. Like, you know, so again, going back to sort of the metaphorical level of, you know, because these are just fears and they're not real things, Mm -hmm. uh, it is also there like, you know, after having said all that stuff about fears being real and, you Mm -hmm. know, if you if you have a fear, it doesn't matter if there's a monster there or not. On the other hand, once you realize that that's the case. You, it also means that you can pretty easily subvert it. So, like, there, you know, yeah. we talked about sort of, you know, kind of in a bad way that that adults, you know, can't be as easily surprised or uh, scared as children. But that's also kind of a good thing, too, because sure. then it means you can learn not to be afraid of things and yeah. and that that there's that there's actually a good reason why we're sort of built that way that that we should be able to sort of overcome that and it's the people who don't ultimately overcome that fear and that hesitation and that um i don't know whatever whatever other words go along with that to you know be able to um you know that they're the ones who who kind of aren't working the right way (laughs) Uh, right yeah like it's easy to kind of put the kids on a pedestal and definitely there are some things which we lose as we get older but also you know grown-ups are a lot better at surviving on their own too you know like there's you know there's just certain there's also and that's that's kind of the uh, goal part of growing up you know is to you know be uh you know able to have a better understanding of you know the world and how to you know survive take care of yourself and survive and everything and yeah Um, if you think about it in sort of 
rudimentary stages. Like it's, yeah, you have the people who are taking care of you and then teaching you. And then eventually you get to the point where you can take care of yourself and learn yourself. And then you get to the point where you can hopefully take care and raise and teach other people. So it's like, like, I mean, there is that progression to it. Like there, it's not like, like there is a purpose to being able to overcome those fears and not be scared and surprised by things anymore. But there's also a sort of sadness to it as well. Like it's just like anything, it's not completely good or bad. It's like there's, Mm -hmm. there's pros and cons to it. It's, it's, yeah. uh, It's just what happens as things change. Yeah. 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 Because along with the belief in fears, we also lose beliefs in good things like fairies and, you know, Santa Mm. Claus and all of that kind of stuff. Unless you're the doctor, and then you manage both. <laughs> well, I, yeah. Uh, uh, and yeah. and he dances too. Um, he does dance. <laughs> so, uh, should probably spend a few minutes maybe on like Amy and Rory and the dollhouse and stuff. Though I don't know that sure. there's a lot yeah, to I don't say. Think there's a whole lot to say, really. Um, I like Rory's assumption that they're dead. Um, yeah. Because that's just what happens. Yeah. Yeah. We're dead again, aren't we? We're dead again. Um, um and well and and I I wasn't entirely sure what was going on at first either, which, you know, I mean, I know we're not meant to um yeah. with regard to like the wooden pot and, you know, that uh-huh. kind of stuff. Like just Okay, this is weird. Um, yeah, I like that Amy takes the pot along with them <laughs> right. and kind of right. uh, uses it as a just in case, yeah, or yeah, wields it anyway. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't have a. I mean, they kind of wander around the house pretty much, is what they do. <laughs> Which I mean, it's pretty creepy. You know, I don't know that there's anything real deep to say about it. Um, yeah, no, it is creepy, and it. I mean, they hit pretty much every trope right the the uh you know ghostly giggles and the uh-huh. you know creepy lullaby recited by a child you know yeah. that's you know in sort of a haunted uh disconnected voice <laughs> mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> yeah stuff like that yeah i mean it is creepy but you're right i don't i don't know that there's a lot to say about it other than that this is so I guess the question is, is like this, this isn't really George's mind, but I guess in some sense it's what he imagined is, right. you know, the fearful thing, right? This is the place where he sends his fears because it's the scariest place he knows and that's where they belong. Yeah, I, that's kind of how I read it is like, this is just the accumulation of everything that he finds scary, mm-hmm. you know, so, which... Uh, <laughs> It's not until like the second or third time I watched it that I noticed that that's why that that's why Amy and Rory end up there because Rory goes by his window saying joking not realize he can hear him saying like maybe we should let the monsters gobble him up and George hears this and is like well I'm putting them in the cupboard right right actually that's <laughs> so, a good point I never I didn't even think about it like why it, they it, were in there it's just like they ended really up in subtle. there it's really subtle it's really subtle, and it, it was only until a couple times in that I'm like, "Oh, of course, that's why they go in the oh, list, and they end up in the dollhouse." 
Um, and it's when the doctor and Alex start to realize what he is. And so they're staring at him and he's probably thinking, why are they staring at me? This is pretty freaky. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put them in the closet. So like, it just becomes this like dumping ground for everything, which he doesn't know how to deal with. And yeah, but also like, you know, he's hypersensitive. Like it, yeah. like the more, Oh, right. You, right. You know, yeah. I mean, it's he, everything from like the, li- the, the noise of the elevator and everything, you know? Right. And as, but it's like, as he realizes he has this ability to send away the fearful things, mm-hmm. like anything that even slightly disturbs him, yeah. you know, becomes yeah. a fearful thing that he can send away. So it, yeah. it, it just sort and of has this really, feedback loop it, to it. And it doesn't really alleviate the fear. No. You know? No. It sort of just makes the closet even scarier. Yeah. <laughs> because there's like more and more stuff in there. Yeah, I wonder um, like that's a good question of like how intentional was it? Like did he know that he was sending things into the closet? I guess he must have. But yeah, did I he think, like how much does he actually he, know about what he's doing? And I don't think he does. Like I think to him this is the game, like this is what mom says. What do we do? We put it in the closet. Like, and he mm. believes it the same way a kid would. Like, this is the ritual that we do. I don't know that that means that he intentionally knows he's, like, taking people away and putting them in there. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so. Well, all in all, um, I th- think... Uh... Oh, did, did you have something else? Sorry. Well, the last thing really quick is... Um, you mentioned like the giggling and, and you get the like disembodied nursery rhyme and everything. Um, but then uh, I just want to mention that we get a little reprise at the end, you know, cause the, the lyrics are all about this, like TikTok goes the clock and everything. Um, and so then when you get it at the end, it, as you know, it kind of plays over them in the TARDIS flying away and and we hear kind of the end of the verse so mm-hmm. it it's TikTok goes the clock even for the doctor um so sure. like even though there's not a whole lot of like arc heavy stuff in this episode just that little reminder a that there might be a nursery rhyme out there that's about the death of the doctor <laughs> but the, like just that there's this lingering notion of time is ticking, you know, yeah. TikTok, everybody dies, even the doctor, yeah. you know, and, and time is sort of wasting away and right. catching up with him. Right. So, and going back to the opening episode of the series uh, of the current season yeah. where, yeah, you know, yeah. which is playing into that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So kind of a, a little reminder there that, um, that's still sort of out there and even the doctor must face it someday. So. Yep. All right. Anyway. So. All right. Well, Angel. I'm, I'm really pleased that these two episodes lined up because there's like a whole lot of stuff that they have in common, you know, stuff and family stuff stuff and, and scary stuff. And even the kids kind of being, the monsters in a way, although, you know, for in totally opposite ways and for opposite reasons. And, you know, yeah. um, you know, George is sort of the child who turns out to be the alien, but is good, you know, and uh, Ryan is sort of the kid who 
seems to be possessed and then turns out he is, but that's not the problem. <laughs> Apparently the problem is with Ryan. Um, so I just like, you know, and we've got daddies and issues and love <laughs> and acceptance and all that stuff. So yeah, it's a nice pair of episodes to have. Yep. Um, um, I did actually have one, a couple oh, yeah. minor things to say up front. One is that, so um, you talked about sort of uh, with the Doctor Who episode, how it was replaced or switched with um, Curse of the Black Spot. This was actually yeah. uh, written pretty early uh, in the season mm-hmm. of Angel, and it was actually written um, before they had decided to kill Doyle off. Okay. Um, so... Uh, they never quite got it to a point where they were happy with it. So they had pushed mm-hmm. it out. And then um, there was another episode that they also couldn't quite get that they ended up pushing, um, you know, to a different spot as well. And so this one they revisited and kind of came up with the plot as it as it is now, you know, with Wesley and with um, like originally they actually did have like a priest who came in to do the exorcism and stuff but then you know they said well let's have Wesley do it and came up with the whole sort of plot twist of the kid being more uh, you know or horrific I guess than the demon you know possessing him and that kind of thing and and it you know stuff kind of fell into place there Um, so so, you know also another like maybe little parallel to of like it it sort of Mm -hmm. is replacing you know another episode and and kind of giving them an opportunity to shift the story in certain ways and and I I actually I I I don't you know again I don't know that this is my favorite episode of Angel but I actually kind of like what they do because it is different and it's definitely dark I think it's probably one of the darkest episodes we've even seen in a fairly dark show like i mean yeah. you know angel's not you know we've talked about how it visits more adult themes and stuff but this is like you know this is a, it's adult themed but then you're also dealing with children which is always yeah. sort of right weird well and creepy the theme and, of children being in danger is a very scary one you know from an adult point of view you know um mm-hmm. and man it's bleak this episode it is it's very bleak <laughs> yeah because even know? though like they kind of you know they kill the demon and things sort of get worked out it's like you still have this kid who's like this, a psychopath like, yeah, you know like pretty much yeah so right i mean this is one of i mean talk about their the question of whether monsters are real or not you know <laughs> right here we get into the fact that you know literal monsters may not be real in the literal sense but certainly real people do monstrous things and not all of them because they're possessed by demons (laughs) you know some of them just do it you know and you so you have this notion that uh all of this at the end of the day not that there isn't still the demon and not that they shouldn't you know still slay him or whatever but basically that's not the point. The point is this kid, you know, yeah. who we don't really get any insight or explanation into why he does what he does, mm-hmm. you know. And we like to think of kids as sort of innocent, you know, and then becoming sort of maybe going bad as they get older, like becoming corrupted or whatever. But yeah. 
you know, yeah. that there's this boy from, you know, what seems a pretty stable, normal, you know, no external reasons, you know, for him to be doing anything evil. Um, he just has it in him, you know, that's pretty scary. I mean, that's a pretty bleak thing for the show to do, like, with an adult character, but then to have it be the child, too, on top of it. Um, you know, like, I could imagine an, a version of this story which is exactly the same, except it's a grown-up, you know, and you find sure. out, oh, he was possessed, but really it was the evil of the human that was doing it all along and everything, and that's pretty bleak on its own. But you add in the right. element of it's this kid, yeah. <laughs> this like little Damien child. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no kidding. Um, so definitely, I think one of the darkest that in in terms not necessarily like the scariest or the goriest, but like in terms of what it says about humanity, you know, like or at least about the potential of humanity. Mm -hmm. um, not a very happy story. And like, like you said, like it's defeated at the end, but not really like, because the demon wasn't really, as I said, he wasn't really the problem, you know, or he wasn't the whole problem. There's still, you know, you can't really slay the kid. Right. Um, you still have to face what it is that he's done and what he is going to be and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> well, I don't know if you had any other production notes, or No, no, not really. Just m mostly sort of the order of the right that it was written early on. It mm -hmm. they kind of had Doyle as an initial character in there, but I liked the way it worked out um, you know, with Wesley and stuff. We can talk about this more later, but just, you know, with the references back to Doyle and kind of bringing out some of yeah. Wesley's own insecurities yep. and and stuff there too. So, um Definitely, definitely liked how it came out there. Um, and, and I do like this episode. I think it, you know, despite or perhaps because of its darkness, you know, in mm -hmm. a way, like just it does really kind of get an entity gritty. It actually, so, you know, when you were talking to, it reminded me of, um, you know, that, I mean, there are cases like this. I, I remember um, way back in, oh, geez, 20 years ago now and in, in, no, well, early '90s, anyway, um, mm -hmm. when uh, when I was living in the southern tier of New York, there and there was a, a 13 year old boy who strangled and killed a much younger boy, um, mm. uh, you know, and and it was it was very much you know one of those stories that I mean, it had like the town that it happened in was like you know. 10, 15 miles from where I was living at the time. And, and I yeah. was, you know, I was in high school, so I wasn't much older than, you know, like the boy who was the murderer in that scenario. So like it, it was yeah. very much, you know, I, I just remember it so vividly, the story at the time and, and uh, you know, sort of hearing about like, that was probably my first, I mean, you hear, you know, about stuff as kids growing up or whatever, but that was like sort of the first time where like, I think I sort of realized that there are just people in the world who are just kind of evil people, you know, like mm -hmm. that, like, 
he didn't feel any remorse and you know there was very much a uh yeah a, a, a psychopathic element mm-hmm. to it um you know he talked about hearing voices and stuff but like I don't know, just the way that the the younger boy was killed and stuff. Like, you know, there's just kind of all this stuff about it that just, I mean, even to this day sort of give me the shivers and, you know, yeah, the creeps about, you know, what's going on. So, like, I think, you know, in thinking about that, you know, there, there are, and you hear stories of people like Jeffrey Dahmer, who as a boy, like, killed, mm. you know small animals and played with their bones and kind of things and not right. in like a hunter sort of way but like in a right. creepy weird sort of way and right. you know that kind of thing so it's like as yeah. much as you don't want to think about this kind of stuff like it does happen out there and I think they I think they captured sort of that feel especially at mm. the end there where he sets the house on fire yeah <laughs> you know uh that it's very much just this sort like it's very detached it's very calm it's very mm. you know has that yeah. psychopathic element to like, it i keep yeah. using that word but i mean it's the only one but that that's really what describes he is yeah it. you know it's like yeah um that and and i think like what you were saying like the fact that you can't you can't just kill him because he is still human although we haven't explored much of the human without a soul scenario like you know Mm. um but that seems to it's like there's there seems to be you know in both buffy and angel like there's this there's this code that you know we only fight against the demons like the humans Mm -hmm. aren't the ones we're trying uh, like maybe every once in a while we'll have to kill someone you know because they right but only then only then the humans who are like in league uh, meddling with you know the magic you know like you know whether it's like oh you know the witch you know amy's mother or or you know or the mayor or something you know like because they're they've sort of crossed the they've crossed that line they're not they're not out there buffy and angel aren't out there you know uh dealing justice to the common criminal right you know right yeah no exactly and so but then at the same time, he still Not has yet, this anyway. <laughs> duty to protect. No, I, that's, that's, I mean, I don't, I don't know that they ever really get to that point. I mean, I, we can yeah. keep watching out for those sorts of things, but, um, but yeah, so you get his point of like, but Angel's still trying to protect his family and, mm-hmm. you know, realizes after, you know, talking to the demon and the demon's like, dude, I was trying to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> I was the one saying help me not the kid you yeah. know like and and that the demon's willing to die like he he was so scared of being in the kid that he yeah. was that he's okay with angel killing him you know like right. Right. that's just to escape just yeah. to get out of there yeah so definitely uh uh yeah definitely very dark but I think well done and and mm-hmm touches on some of those some of those things that i think just as a society we don't really talk about very often um and every now and then it might come up on tv shows but even like i'm trying to think of like even where there's really like a tv show today where there's like a true psychopath you know like someone Mm -hmm. who really 
acts in that same kind of way. And I just, I feel like a lot of the... Moriarty? Well, I was going to say, I feel like a lot of the TV shows that we get to today don't really show psychopaths. They show people who are more... Like the TV version. Yeah, it's like a TV version of a psychopath. But like... Not in the way that like this kid, you know, yeah. gives this the the feeling of a psychopath. It, and like I would say even Moriarty kind of the thing with Moriarty, and you know, I'm not because I'm not knocking Sherlock or anything, but like he's fun. Exactly, like, you kind of enjoy him, right? And you have to admit, and that's you know? the thing. It's like you, yeah, you kind of see these psychopaths as like they're sort of antihero type, right? Uh, people right where, it's a little bit glamorous whereas this just is like messed up yeah exactly and, <laughs> right, and I there's just, nothing there's nothing redeeming about this kid there's nothing really romantic or lovable or you know sympathetic right um, um yeah it just kind of shows it for what it is so i yeah i just don't think we get a lot of that on tv today maybe i could be wrong maybe it's all over the place and i just don't watch the right shows i doubt that but, um, you know, I could, yeah. be. I could be. All right. Yeah. So we've, we've, again, th- th- so this whole episode, we're going all over the place with these things, but I feel That's like okay. we're talking about the family. We do just yeah. kind of have to go back and forth. Um, yeah. So I think you well, actually, actually wanted to start with the dad. <laughs> well, so it's. That's interesting that you said that they rewrote it later, and and I can see why they could do that after um, the loss of Doyle and bringing in Wesley because they connect it well with, you know, they make a nice parallel between the father trying to protect his family um, and Angel trying to protect his family in a way, you know, and feeling responsible for what happens to people that he sees are under his care um you know so this is sort of a bit jumping ahead to angel but i think it connects with the dad that um you know there's a bit of a red herring where you think it's the father who's sort of the mean one you know um which you know he is like kind of the, well, he's easily, you know, the most sort of standoffish to Angel at the beginning. So you understand why that happens. And it's it's a more likely explanation that you have, like, an abusive father than it is that, like, you have a, like, you know, pyromaniac crazy kid, you know, and everything. So it seems like an easy mistake to make. But, sure. Um, but, you know, once we do find out that... Uh, you know, it's the kid, and and that the the reason that the dad is sort of not warm to Angel is because he's trying to hold this situation together. You know, and in this tension between um, wanting to kind of somewhat admitting to himself what he knows, which is what his son is doing, and kind of what he's capable of, but also. So wanting to prevent him from doing bad things and protect the family and protect other people and everything, but also feeling like it's his responsibility to, to protect his son, too. You know, yeah. that he's failing him by not being able to fix this problem or get through to him or stop him from doing whatever, you know. Um, and that that doesn't have a super strong parallel to Angel, except that you 
get that same sense of somebody who is sort of the head of the household, I guess, and being feeling like he's doing an inadequate job of protecting. Right. You know, so you get, uh, you know, reminders of Doyle at the beginning, you know, that that they've lost him and they still miss him. And that, that was, Angel sees that as a failure on his part, you know, that he should have stopped him and protected him. Yeah. Um, and is now kind of transferring that fear over to Wesley, you know, that he's worried about what kinds of situations Wesley's going to get himself into because he might not be able to save him too. Um, you know, and, and pretty explicit at the end with the dad saying, you know, that he was just trying to hold his family together and Angel kind of, you know, saying he understands, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. So, and even so though... anyway, I like that they, I think that's nice that they held it back and rewrote it because I think that makes the episode work a lot better than it would mm-hmm. have. Yeah. If they'd just done it with Doyle, it wouldn't have had that same thematic parallel, I don't think. Sure. Yeah. And it was, so even at the end where, you know, Angel says, well, it looks like you did, you know, keep your family together. Yeah. Um, but it's not the whole family, right? Like right. The, the fact yeah. that the kid's still being taken away, just yeah. like, you know, Doyle's not with Angel anymore, too. So, there's like, they're still, a loss, they're still yeah. lost there, but you still manage to keep something together. Um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely. That. Yeah, doing the best that he can. But that doesn't mean as, you know, as the father or the protector, you're not going to be able to mm-hmm. prevent all the bad things from happening. Right. Um, Right. And even though what Doyle did was heroic, not evil, still there's that sense of you can't stop your loved ones from making their own decisions. You know, whether it's, yeah. you know, preventing your kid from going down the wrong right. path or whether it's preventing Doyle from sacrificing himself. Right. You know, that you have to, in a way, not let them make their own decisions like clearly this kid needed to be stopped. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying they should let him, like, you know, just be himself or anything, but like, Angel can't assume all the responsibility for what Doyle does, you know, or what happened to Doyle. And the sure. dad, the dad can't, isn't responsible for, you know, right things that his children decide to do. Right. Well, and part of the problem of teaching your kids how to be independent is that they are then independent, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, and that's. But again, like even just as we talked about with Doctor Who, like that's sort of the progression. That's what's what supposed to happen. Means, yeah. It's just in this particular case with the kid here, that yeah. wasn't he he didn't have the equipment or the right capacity or, you know, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, you know, to be that way. So yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and I think, sorry, so just cause we're on the topic of like daddy mm-hmm. issues and uh-huh. approval and all that kind of stuff. So one, you know, the whole, you know, mistakenly calling Wesley Doyle, you know, yes. obviously yeah. that's sort of a sore, sore spot. Um, yeah. but also I think there's a good parallel there where you have Angel who, you know, I mean, that's his, you know, his whole thing is that, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to let that happen again where, you know, 
you know, where he lets someone he loves or at least likes a lot, you know, mm-hmm. you know, put themselves in that situation to be so. But then that becomes a bone of contention between him and Wesley with, you know, the exorcism and stuff. And he doesn't yeah. want Wesley to do it. But it's but, you know, as Wesley points out by handing him the cross. <laughs> yeah, it's not like Angel can do it. And that's that was kind of Doyle's point, too, was like, you can't do this. Like, if you do this, you'll die. And you're more important than I am, kind of in a way. Yeah. Um, not exactly the same, because in this in this role, it's not that Angel will die. It's that he literally can't do it because right. of the fact that he's a vampire and he can't, yeah. you know, a vampire performing an exorcism. I mean, that only happens <laughs> in like John Carpenter movies. You know, you can't right. that no real vampire would actually do that. So of course not. <laughs> um, no, but like, I mean, that's the whole point is right that he doesn't. Yeah. Like, he can't be the one to do this. And so, you know, again, there's that that pesky independence thing. Like, he right. has to let Wesley be the one to perform the exorcism, even though he knows it could go wrong and it might not work out right. Uh, and that's the irony of that scene, like, when he says, like, I think it's Wesley says, like, so you, you know, you're saying I can't do this. And Angel's like, right. Like, that's what I'm saying. And then Wesley goes, okay, well, I guess you'll have to do it. And he throws him the crucifix, which burns his hand. And it's like, okay, so when, when Angel says Wesley can't do it, what he means is he doesn't believe Wesley can do it or he doesn't want Wesley to do it. Whereas with Angel, he literally can't do it, you know, or at least, I mean, he kind of does later, but like, only with his hand wrapped and like causing great pain, like right. you know, he can't. He's not physically capable in the same way that Wesley is. Right. Um, what he's saying about Wesley is he doesn't want him to have to do it, or he's right. afraid of what will happen if he does it. Right, you know, which that, are not the same thing as you can't. You know, right? It's it's the the whole you know. It's like the difference between may and can you know are you yeah. allowed to versus may are I you go capable to the bathroom or can it? i go yeah. to the bathroom yeah. yeah um yeah so what he's really saying there is not anything about wesley's ability it's about his own it's about own, angel's own insecurities angel's insecurities yeah you know his both his desire to protect wesley and still a sort of lack of belief in wesley's yeah abilities yeah you know which is not totally unjustified, <laughs> but you know, is it's it's improving over time. I would think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I like Wesley. I do too. And his no, incompetent and ways. <laughs> well, and he's. I think he's, you know, becoming less incompetent, and I'm sure he'll. Well, yeah, and, I'd be really surprised if that doesn't continue. And we've know? seen and talked about how, you know, it's in the big moments where he does step up. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's not like, yes, he... And it's never, like, for lack of trying, right? Like, he's always giving it his all and yeah. everything. Yeah, he is a bumbling idiot at times. But, yeah, there's... You're right. The, it, it, he's genuine, first of mm-hmm. all, and... He does sort of in the moments when it counts pull through. So yeah. Um. So I, you know, I don't know. Back to the family. Any any other thoughts around the the mom at least or uh the sister yeah, Stephanie well, and and sort of their interactions as well. 
I like to like all the little like reversals in this um, because, you know, like with the red herring with the dad where you think he's, you know, the bad one. Um, before I love that how goes like, to the sister. <laughs> yeah, I love how like Angel is watching him like as they're eating the brownie. Yeah, when the he's brownies. like eating the brownie, yeah. yeah. Like, it's like just staring at him, you know. Something yeah. to happen. Yeah, it's like this creepy like why are you watching me eat a brownie so intensely? Yeah. Um but And like, also so, like and then Angel like refuses the you know, he's like he's yeah. not eating it. It's like I would find that suspicious if like a guy just met <laughs> Brought over a big plate of brownies. Here's my brownies. I'm not going to have any. I'm not going to have yeah. any. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm full. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. Um, but I like to the same, there's that same kind of the opposite reversal. Because like you're set up right in the beginning to, to love the mom and, and distrust the dad, you know, that he's going to be the cold, hard father. And, and there's this, you know, loving trusting mother you know who cares about her kids and she doesn't want to lock up the kids and you know um and she trusts angel and believes he's their guardian angel and all this stuff and so you're kind of like seduced into like being on her side you know and then it kind of turns out well the reason for that is that she's kind of in denial about what's going on and you know can't really face it and it's the dad who is kind of hard because he's the one facing the situation and trying to do something about it. And actually, you know, a lot of his paranoia is pretty justified. So, you know, you know, I like that with the mother, like what kind of seems loving and trusting in the beginning seems kind of, you know, uh, I don't know what a good word is deluded you know about halfway through the episode you know and you just know leaving them with the kid in the next door is like not going to be a good idea because she won't be able to resist you know him calling to her for help so again like it's just a nice like all the different family members like you think they're one thing and then they turn out to be something else Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely um and I mean, same thing with Stephanie, really. I don't really have any a lot to say about her, but like, you know, first you think the father's bad, and then you think, she, or at least I thought she would be the one to be possessed because sure. she's the one being locked up, you know. And again, it's not until later that you realize, oh, it's to it's keep for her, her safe. own safety. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, like a like has... a fairy tale, like the princess locked up in the tower, you know, for her right. own right. safety and virginity. <laughs> Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, whatever and, that, yeah, anyway. Um, and she gets, a, like, the, there's that little bit of uh, foreshadowing, too, in the beginning with uh, her saying, like, Ryan's always been bad. You know, like, even before the demon, <laughs> Ryan was always bad. Yeah. You know, like, again, the the kid listen, or the kid speaking and, and the adult's not necessarily listening to her, you know, like she has insight that isn't really being right. acknowledged about and, what kind of a brother he is. And that is always the way with kids, right? They always know more about what's really going on right. among themselves and like other kids yeah. than parents do. I mean, that's right. just the nature of the beast kind of in a way. Like yeah. it, it, 
you know, kids are less reserved amongst themselves. Uh, yeah. Although, you know, on the flip side, parents are not always as ignorant as maybe we believe they are when we are kids. Right. <laughs> right. Um, they just maybe right. choose not to not tell, to you. tell <laughs> you, yeah, what they know. Um, Every little thing, yeah. So, yeah. Very, uh, yeah, so, but I think you're right. Like, there is, at least in this uh, instance with Stephanie, like, she she does have sort of this special knowledge that nobody's paying attention to, like Cassandra-esque, maybe even in a way. Yeah. Uh, not, although much more straightforward. <laughs> like you yeah. could listen and understand to what she's saying. You're just right, not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and it's not like she's like screaming it to everyone who will listen. She just sort of says like, oh, you know, he's always yeah. been bad. Like it, like it's a matter of fact thing, you know, like she doesn't necessarily know what she even means by that, but she kind of realizes this is not a phase. Like this is like, you know, there's something mm-hmm. rotten about this kid, you know? Yeah. So. Um, so I don't know if there's anything. So that any any other thoughts about the family and the sort of situation there? I mean, uh, they, they move around from place to place and you kind of piece together little pictures like that. But I don't know that that's yeah. too. Um, no. No, I don't think I have anything else, um, really, about them. The, I mean, the demon itself, like, okay, they call it an Ethros demon. It possesses people. We've seen demons that possess people before. Like, that's nothing yeah. real new or whatever. Nothing too special, yeah. Um, other than the fact that, like, this is supposed to be a particularly strong mm. demon and, you know, apparently killed a priest. Not this one, but maybe one like it. Killed mm-hmm. a priest before and um which you know i think is all sort of for wesley's sake like they build up this demon like you know knowing how incompetent wesley is we sort of get the thought that there's a real danger here for him you know if he doesn't do things exactly right which chances are he won't (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but yeah, otherwise, like I don't know that it's a particular. I don't think we ever see one of these particular types of demons again. Like I don't know right. that it's, um, you know, I think also the building up of sort of its strength and all of that, like then in contrast to how scared it is of mm-hmm. the boy, you know, and yeah, no, that makes the the twist work really well, right? Um, yeah, because you're ready for like the meanest demon ever. And yeah, and like, like maybe an epic battle to get out. between yeah, him and yeah. Angel, whereas instead he just kind of stands there and lets Angel kill him. <laughs> like, yeah, there's yeah. not, there's literally no battle. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, all that. Um, I, I, and I like to, uh, you know, his little, um, like explanation of the the hell of being trapped in the boy and that. The, mm. the most frightening thing in the world is nothing. He's empty. Yeah. Which I hadn't really thought of that until you said it earlier about soulless people. But, like, you know, if we could have, you know, if vampires are, you know, soulless people who are animated by demons, why couldn't you just have, you know, a soulless person? Like, it makes you wonder, 
you know, maybe how this kid got to be how he was. Like, maybe he is literally soulless yeah. in that way. Um, I mean, that and, seems to be the implication. Right. You know, of, of um, the Aetherist demon, what he's saying there, that there's nothing right. there, that there's right. no soul, no morality, no, you know, anything. Yeah. Um, um, it also made me think of the Sartre play No Exit, you know, which is uh, people in hell, which are hell is them stuck in a room. Right. And I think like the epithet of that book is, or that play is like hell is other people. <laughs> and so there's something like just about that demon, like being seems about trapped. right. Seems about right. Actually, um, I have, I have a book with that play and I've never read it, but hmm. it, it's like literally they sit in a room and there's no doors and no exits. Yeah. And then you find out at the end that it's hell and uh. it's the, hell is each other. Um, but that's kind of what that reminds me of is that that demon who's trapped in this this little boy who's empty and that that's scarier than I mean he's a demon so presumably he knows something about hell um but that that's the scariest you know forget his like whatever fire and brimstone dimension he comes from you right, know right. this <laughs> this empty little boy is like way yeah. scarier than that um that almost yeah. that 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 I didn't really think about, but that's almost a Doctor Who esque quote too, right? The scariest thing in the world is nothing. Like you know, yeah, like it's very, yeah, has that kind of. Ooh, feel. there's an episode from season eight that we can't talk about. Oh, that okay. I really want to talk about. <laughs> we'll come to well, it later. Try to remember this when we get to it. We'll remember this in, when we come to season in two eight. seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, two Doctor Who seasons. They're not full seasons. Yeah. They're not real seasons. No, they're sort of half season. Yeah. Um, so Angel. So we talked a lot about sort of the daddy issue stuff. I don't know that there's a lot more to say um, with regard to him. Uh, no, the 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 other main thing I guess I wanted to make sure I mentioned was um, the the fact that like the nun recognized him just sort of, you know without prompting like that they go in you know mm. and he's sort of a little bit nervous in the church and looking at the you know all the icons and everything and and that she sort of welcomes wesley and then gets kind of you know cold oh, when yeah. angel's there so like you know i don't know how that that's that significant necessarily but that you know i guess holy people can kind of sense yeah. you know we uh haven't gotten a lot of like you haven't had religious. a lot of like priests or anything yeah. yeah i would so i would point out one thing is one that um you know they were going there to talk to this priest who mm. apparently you know going back to sort of the idea that we started out with in buffy of the levels of knowledge like this is a priest who apparently had quite a bit of knowledge about sort yeah. of the demonic world and and that kind of yeah. stuff that Angel and Buffy and them play in, um, mm -hmm. which stands to reason that she also probably would be right. given that, you know, she was, I don't know, assigned or what, I don't know what official capacity there is there, but like she was apparently working with that priest and knew him. So yeah, probably had, you know, it was, she was one of the priest Scoobies, so to speak. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> but the, uh, She's the willow of the parish or whatever. Yeah, maybe, maybe, right? <laughs> um, but I don't, you know, so that said, I don't know. 
I don't know that we're necessarily meant to take it, uh, you know, in a more general level that like all nuns yeah. can automatically right. detect vampires kind of thing. Right. Or right. But we haven't really seen anybody do that before. Like on site without like, not you know, like even, human. Yeah. Like Buffy doesn't know a vampire until he turns yeah. into his like bumpy face. Or unless he's know? wearing a seventies outfit. Unless he's, yeah, unless his clothes give him away. But right. but she can't, she doesn't have, like, a, a no. spidey sense about it, really. No, um, no, I think you're right. Like, even, yeah, there's that, and, and like, Willow we've seen sort of be duped and, and others be duped by vampires here and there. So, like, I think yeah. that sort of ability to sense, yeah, like, there does see, seem to be something special about her, and maybe it's particular knowledge or you know experience with that sort of thing or maybe there is maybe she has some sort like we don't really get enough about yeah her to know but no i think you're right like we don't we haven't seen that before and we haven't seen a lot of religious people at least to this point so um yeah it just kind of hints at there because we haven't seen much of that before like of like you know this being you know this battle being part of like, it kind of hints at the larger sort of cosmic significance of it, you know, like, and not necessarily that it's going to like, you know, become a like Christian parable or anything, but like, you know, they're dealing with like this religious iconography of, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. they're still having, you know, crosses and holy water be, you know, you know, intolerable to the demons and everything and you're dealing with demons anyway so right you know you're kind of working with that symbolism and everything so and it just whether i don't think it i don't i would be really surprised if that becomes like i don't think it's going to become like you know all the demons versus like the church or anything but it kind of hints that like the clergy maybe are part of this battle you know and they're kind of yeah. Maybe even slightly more aware of it than like, you know, your average person. And I um, and I think that we've already seen a little bit of that with like the oracles and the the talk yeah. of like, you know, the, the powers, the powers that be. That be. So yeah. like whether whether that turn you know I don't want to say too much or whatever, but like there's I think you're right to note notice that there in some respects and i don't i mean this isn't angel is still very much a a week to week episodic story about the demons and you know magical life in la but i do think that you're right that like in ways that we certainly haven't gotten in the first four seasons of buffy at least uh angel starts exploring some of those more cosmic things, which I think goes along with the idea of the sort of the more adult themes like that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, we do start having as adults, you know, young adults or whatever questions about God and is he real and is, you know, what, what is the meaning of life? And, you know, are there sort of bigger forces or not? Mm -hmm. And, you know, all these guys. So like, and of course, I mean, and everyone sort of asks those questions at different stages, I'm sure. But a lot of it does sort of seem to be like those college years when you're 
yeah. you know, quote, finding yourself and that kind of thing. Sure. Like, so I think, I think with Angel, like we do at least get hints of that if, yeah. you know, regardless of whether we actually ever get into like it full scale. Um, right. Like not that they're, not that those questions will be answered, um, but it hints at the idea that those things might be at play and, or, you know, or it might be even in the background, even if we yeah. never really explore them up close. And and even with Angel and his sort of interactions with the oracles and, and the whole, you know, idea behind the episode hero of that that he is a hero of the powers that be, right? Like, so that, that he's, right, so, like, if this priest was, like, a tool of God, that, like, maybe Angel is also sort of, maybe not of God, but, like... I don't know, one of God's compatriots or something like, you know, right. whatever, whatever the proper, you know, higher authority would be in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, but yeah, that they're like, maybe they're not on the same side, but they're also not enemies quite, right. you know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I don't, yeah, I don't want to say too much cause I, I do think we get. I, I'll say that we do in Angel see some of that cosmic stuff, but like I, mm. you know, at the same on the same token, it's like we don't ever get to the point where it's like, like we're still fighting demons in LA week to week. You know, like sure. it's yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's never gonna be like right. It's not gonna turn into the war in heaven. And yeah, like, no, you know, yeah, it's yeah. not like some Miltonian, you know, yeah. paradise lost kind of thing. Right, right. Uh, but but we do continue to get sort of hints of that. And I think, and I think that's interesting because I think that goes along with what I, what I said, even, you know, back in earlier seasons of Buffy, but also as we've started to see more, um, here, like with the broader multiverse kind of ideas Mm -hmm. of, you know, these different demon dimensions and, and transferring back and forth, like, that there are sort of other planes of existence as well, you know, among those sorts of things that um, yeah. things play out on in a different way and, and people and demons and whatever, you know, get manipulated in certain ways um, by those beings. So yeah. anyway, Without hopefully well, having been too spoilery and any of that. Um, <laughs> no. Like, I, I do think we get at least some hints of that here and there. Um, yes. and, and, I, and I like that because I think it does sort of show, again, that, that growth. Like, it's not just like... Yeah. Like, not that it would be wrong for it Joss Whedon. It makes it more than just a Buffy spinoff. R- you know? Right. And I, think, I was going to say, not that it would necessarily be wrong for, like, Joss Whedon to have defined you know what the world was like at the beginning of Buffy and then stuck to it like I think there's some good things in that sort of consistency and ability to do that but I also like that as your awareness of the world grows so does the world itself you know like Mm -hmm. that it actually becomes bigger and more complex and that there are players that are doing things on wider levels than you sort of initially imagined and and I think that goes along with the whole concept of Buffy and then into Angel of sort of the growing up and being more aware of your world as you do yeah. so. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um before we get off of Angel, 
we should mention Kate. Yeah. As well. Um, yeah. Right. She turns up to. Yeah. And escort Ryan away. Presumably at Angel's bequest. That's her behest. how I took it. Yeah. Not bequest. Um, that's a different word. <laughs> uh, yeah, like that's, that. Yeah, that's how I read it. Yeah. That seems to be the implication there of that Angel sort of called her and was like, I need your help. Um, yeah. And maybe, you know, with a few more words of explanation, but. Uh, yeah, the fact that she did actually show up, so, like... Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, you're getting her not, you know, still very wary and, you know, not necessarily warm or looking to stay in chat, but she does respond, you know, and she comes, you know, and, and helps out. So, um, you know, willing at least to you know, listen and, you know, accept, you know, she hasn't totally cut him off and discounted what he's saying. You know, she still trusts him to a certain extent, I think. Yeah. Um, or, or at least, at least is, is willing to, is less angry at him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and or willing to be professional in a work right. context, right. you know, like, like, That's what I, I don't say. necessarily like, like or trust you, but, you know, if we have to work together, you know, we're on the same side kind of thing. Um, yeah. And, and you know, at least willing to set aside differences for the moment uh, yeah. to help out this kid and family, the family yeah. and, and stuff. Like, yeah. that she's sort of genuine, at least in that respect, like, not not so far angry at him that she can't even you know see past yeah uh, you know various things so. yeah um so yeah just wanted to make sure we at least noted noted yeah her. definitely uh wesley we kind of talked through a lot with him any any other final thoughts well we didn't include him in our daddy issues discussion but um we kind of get some hints that he might have a couple himself, you know, uh, he kind of lets slip something about, um, you know, a father doesn't necessarily, um, what does he say? A father doesn't have to be possessed to terrify his children. Mm -hmm. He just, and then he doesn't finish the sentence. Like whatever his father did, I, I guess that yeah. scared him. He yeah. doesn't really go into the details. And then, um, and then the demon, in his own voice, sort of mocking him later, talks about, you know, that he would, Wesley as kind of a disappointment, you know, that you weren't good enough for daddy and he wasn't good enough for the council either. So mm. he has a lot of father figures who he's sort of, you know, not lived up to. Um, but, you know, the council weren't very nice to begin with and it sounds like his dad wasn't really either so maybe they're not the kind of people you want to live up to but wesley feels yeah inadequate about that anyway sure. sure so you know a little bit of starting to get some hints now that wesley's like part of the team some hints at a backstory you know and an origin story and everything so i guess we'll see more of that i don't know whether we'll ever learn about his relationship with his father sure. but it's still opening the door to be kind of, okay, what made Wesley the kind of 
guy he is. You know, like what yeah. brought him to this point? Well, and you can almost see that, like, that makes total sense if he has some daddy issues there of, you know, his sort of obsequience and, and you know, wanting to always impress yeah. and please others at the same yeah. time. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. That doesn't hit far. Like, I feel like we could have come up with that even without sort of explicit references. Like there probably are some daddy issues in there somewhere. Um, So yeah, no, I think definitely good. Good to point those out though. Um, Yeah. And the not good enough for daddy, not good enough for the council. There's sort of uh, an equation there too that I'll go ahead and mention, I wasn't sure if, I should, but I, I think I'll mention it too. We we also have gotten the sense that Rupert Giles's father was involved in the council, and that there's mm. sort of a, a patriarchal line going through. Ah, uh, right, so, right, yeah. Now that you say that, uh, there, I I remember that now. I you know I will neither confirm nor deny if that's the case right. with Wesley, but there is a sort of parallel construction going on there. Right. Uh, that right. I'll point like, out. Right, which instantly I'm imagining all sorts of backstories, like Wesley was maybe not cut out for the council, but that was sort of the family business kind of thing, you know, like, and, yeah. I, I, again, and, I, I won't give I mean, away, I won't give any more her. than that, yeah. but I mean, yeah. you wouldn't be far off base to think yeah. that there might be, you know, family connections right. going back. And that for him daddy and the council are like kind of equivalent you know to let down one is to let down the other Mm -hmm. really yeah right that makes sense from either angle (laughs) yeah um so yeah um but yeah no good good to see sort of wesley's character starting to fill out a little bit not not a ton but you know little by little yep um and uh, so Cordy, any Cordelia to, um, to sort of round out? I don't have a lot for Cordy this week. Yeah. Um, I mean, she gets some funny bits about her corrosive brownies and, um, you know, yeah. buying the box, which is sort of what they need, but it's like the next closest thing. And <laughs> yeah, um, not sure if it's going to hold the demon. Yeah. It might be yeah, a little tighter on the it's, shoulders. It's close enough. Um, and like, you know, of course, she's going to make all the obvious exorcist illusions yeah. about, like, are, is there going to be vomiting? You know, I think there is because I've seen the movie, but yeah. I don't know what to expect. Yeah. Well, so. and, and with the box, too, it's like, it, it, was this made by blind Tibetan monks? No, you know, mute whatever nuns or something. like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> close enough. Close enough. Yeah. Uh, anyway. uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think beyond sort of the prompting of the memory of Doyle and, you know, getting Angel to open up a little bit um, and then sort of run around and doing errands here and there. Cordy doesn't do a lot this episode. Um, No. No, that's okay. All right. Well, well, um, like I said, I I like this one. Um, Yeah. You know, again, I don't know that it's my favorite, but I like, I do like that they... I mean, it is very serious, even though there are mm-hmm. funny moments. I mean, there's funny moments in all, all of, of these yeah. shows. But, like, there is definitely... A, you come away with a much more sort of morose <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. atmosphere uh, 
yeah. and feeling from it. Um, and I like, I like that they didn't shy away from that. Um, yeah. You know, too much like they're, it's almost like I would, I would sort of equate on an episode level to what is actually just more of a momentary thing in um, expecting where they choose not to sort of make fun of Cordy in that instance when she realizes that she's pregnant, right? Like they don't go the hyper comedic route. They actually take it very seriously. And, and like even Wesley's just like, you know, we're going to find this thing and fix it for you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which again, if you're dealing with a real world thing, like, you know, you know, a psychopath, you know, or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I think I like that, um, that they did take it seriously and they didn't sort of, um, oh, you know, what's the word? Like, uh, 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 lampoon it at all or, you know, kind of like it, it, it is a very, it is very dark. And even though you do have those lighter moments, um, and even though ultimately it does actually have a happy ending, like, yeah, sure. You know, none of the family members dies. Right. And, I mean, yeah, the kid's taken away, but, like, you know, you do he have... He gets caught, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, like they, he gets they're caught able before to stop they... Him. So, like, you know, ultimately, like, it's actually kind of a happy ending, but, it, you know, you still come away with this sense of, like, loss, but yeah. they do it well that it's... It is sort of you know dual pointed in a way like you know i don't know yeah. I, don't, I guess i'm sort of rambling on here it's I, it's it's happy in the sense that the bad things are averted but it's like unresolved you know so you still have the sense of it's not totally defeated it's still out there you know like which you know since we're not just talking about a demon we're talking about like you know, the problem of evil in humanity, it kind of is appropriate that that should stay unresolved. Like, that's not something you're going to just, like, solve in a week, you know? Um, So I think it's dark, but, like, it's satisfying because thematically that's appropriate for it to be dark and serious, you know? Yeah. So good, good, good pair of episodes this week, I think. Yeah, definitely. Right. Well, we'll be back next week with more Doctor Who and uh, a, a, an interesting episode of Buffy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Ooh, okay. So, little teaser. Cool. All right. All right. See you then. <laughs>